0: grace the amy santiago of royal bloggers and i'm jessica
1: the dorothy's Borner of royal bloggers
0: and we'd like to welcome you to on air the podcast where two cynical brits discuss the latest royal news and the truth behind the story
1: so hello everyone and welcome to the on air podcast we are back to weekly episodes at the moment we'll see how things go but um yeah we're back to weekly episodes we're in the build-up to the Jubilee, so I imagine next week's episode is going to be quite jam-packed, but at the moment it's still kind of, people are doing things, but there's no no one's doing anything dramatic. Nobody's doing anything gossip-worthy, Grace. It's disappointing.
0: Yes, it's quite letting us down.
1: Yeah, it really is. Um, but we do have one very exciting topic to talk about, uh, which is the visit of Princess Estelle, Crown Princess Victoria, and Prince Daniel to Astietland's. So Princess Estelle is the Duchess of Astietland. She was given the role in 2012, shortly after her birth. It's important to maybe say for people who are not so familiar with the Swedish system that it's quite different to the British in terms of titles. In the British royal family, you are given a title and then it's um, inherited down the line. In Sweden, they each get given a title that they hold for life. And then it goes back and can be awarded to somebody new. So there's kind of a very close relationship between the person and, and the, the area that they're, they're given as their duchy because, you know, they're, it's not going to be inherited. It was given solely to them. Um, and the duchies are based on the 25 uh, sort of historical provinces of Sweden. Uh, so, yes, Estetland was the one that was given to Estelle and she previously visited back in 2014. So this was her second official visit. We know she goes... With the family sometimes privately but this was her first kind of uh, her second kind of um official visit so the first thing that she kind of did when she arrived they met the um i think he's a governor i can't remember i didn't write down what his job title is yeah i had governor governor we'll go with the governor she met the local the governor and his wife um, at uh, Linköping Castle and then they went inside to a room that's called Princess Estelle, uh, Duchess Estelle's Salon and Estelle unveiled a portrait of herself like a painted <laughs> portrait I can't believe that she has a painted portrait it's the first ever painted portrait of Estelle um, so it's quite a significant moment um, the portrait itself was done in in 2015 actually so so yeah she was about three years old when it was done uh and I mean I think I've seen a a bit of a mixed response to that
0: yeah it I think some people were expecting like a brand new portrait which I mean is fair it's reasonable it was a very very sweet one because she was so little and she was only three-ish and it's an adorable picture of her Um, But I I mean, I can understand why someone would be like, "Okay, but this is very, very old. Why are we only seeing it now? But no, I can definitely see the two sides to it. I mean, portraits take a while and I imagine it's quite hard to get a child to sit still for a long time so you can paint them.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Um, I wouldn't even want to try. I mean, even like I know, I mean, I have never had my portrait painted. You know, I'm not nobody's going to paint my portrait. I'm not that um, uh, important. Uh, But I know, you know, like I remember when they did the portrait of Kate, uh, the guy took like reference photographs. So he sat with her for a few hours, maybe a few days, but he didn't actually like sit in the way that we think of it. I don't know. When I think of a portrait, I think of it as like how it's portrayed in the movies, where the entire thing is you having to sit in the same position while somebody paints you and um, you have to sit there for like 10 months or something you know like that's that's what I think of is sort of like these renaissance things that they get that they show in the in the movies but nowadays you've all got iPads and phones and you know cameras and whatnot so you can take some reference photographs and do it in your own time but even that is quite tricky to get a child to sit down and sit in the same position and get the right angles and all that kind of stuff so I think I can understand why people may be disappointed or thought that it was a bit strange but at the same time uh yeah as you say it's difficult to get a child to sit down anyway so if they already had one you know what's the point in kind of disrupting her life further by making her sit for another one when you're dealing with children it kind of it 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 just sort of makes sense to do what's practical and it is sort of the least disruptive thing for them um but I also like the portrait itself was really lovely it you know it showed her in Haga Palace which is their home um, wearing one of her traditional bows that she wore all the time as a three-year-old, uh, which I, I miss the bows. I never thought I would because I always hated little girls where they put bows on them when they got like no hair. It's very hard to judge portraits when you haven't seen them in person.
0: Yes, because sometimes pictures that, you know, can just look really bland when you take a picture of a portrait, when it's
1: actually in person, a lot more kind of like, in depth and interesting, for sure. Like I know, I don't want to mention it again, but the, the the Duchess of Cambridge's portrait got absolutely slated, and people were like, "It's hideous! It doesn't look like her. She looks old and tired." And blah, blah. and I went and saw it in person, and it's gorgeous. And it looks like a photograph of her. It's so incredible, and you wouldn't know that from just a photograph. It doesn't quite capture it. So you know, it wasn't a bad portrait at all, anyway. But maybe when you're there, it doesn't look so. Like, like she's a three-year-old. You know, sometimes there's a way that you can paint somebody where it's like more difficult to pinpoint exactly how old they are. So maybe when you're there in person, maybe she it does it's not so glaring that like this is a portrait of a three-year-old when she's now 10, you know. But it's still, it was a very significant moment. You know, I think all royals, especially those who are in the main, well, the main line of royals will spend most of their life having various portraits and things of them in, unveiled. And this is kind of the first big one that she's done on her own. So it's kind of, I am always love being invited into these milestone things.
0: Yes, and it's, you you kind of knew, like when you see it, it's its a historical moment. Um, and, you know, when she's Queen Estelle and she's got, you know, her own children, this will be a moment like they might paint a portrait of her eldest child at the age of three and put it in the same place. And, you know, I think possibly that's why I wasn't so upset that she was so young in the portrait because I'm like, but it's her first one. Of course, she was a baby. She had these years when she was tiny. You have to represent
1: them somehow. We have to get the hair bows in, come on. Exactly, yeah, well, it's very possible that like, maybe somebody will do a portrait of her in the next few years that she'll unveil when she's 18, You know, and we will get that development tracked. Um, But I suppose like as well, you change very dramatically between being a little baby and being, a child a a teenager and being an adult whereas there is less difference between you when you're a teenager and an adult so like the portraits are going to look markedly different from a three-year-old compared to a 23-year-old whereas they'll look less different if it's a sort of 15-year-old and a 23-year-old does that make sense?
0: Yeah definitely like it you don't I mean there's going to be loads of portraits uh, made of Estelle but Especially initially, you don't want like three portraits that look almost exactly the same of her sat in a chair. You, you want that kind of. I mean, if you even if you look at someone like, you know, Queen Elizabeth, who's had thousands of portraits done of her, they do all look quite distinctive, like they've taken a different approach. And I think that's what particularly as we sort of carry on moving into a sort of era where we don't have as many portraits being done of people. That's what people like. They like that kind of
1: innovative approach to it. Either way, even if it had been a picture of something that looked nothing like, I mean, there have been some awful photographs, um, portraits done of the Queen, like awful, <laughs> like, did this person hate her? Is that why they made her look like this? Because she doesn't look like this in real life. Um, but even so, even if it had been awful, like, I just liked seeing her there and unveiling it because it's kind of it's such a royal thing. Like there's certain things that we, you know, they all cut ribbons, they all unveil plaques and portraits of themselves. You know there just are certain hallmarks of being a royal that they have to do and so to see her participate in it by herself you know it was it was just a very sweet kind of moment for me as somebody who's watched her since she was younger than three you know um but yes then afterwards they moved to um I don't I'm not sure how this is pronounced talken um that's what I'm gonna say because I'm learning Swedish and the A the A with the little circle is usually Tor. So talken. But anyway um So that's a visitor center, which is um, kind of in a nature reserve in the area and it was celebrating its 10th anniversary. It was opened by the king 10 years ago. Um, So there was a ton of things that they did. Yeah, it was a really busy day. It was really busy. I'm not going to go into detail on every single thing that they did, but it was very much like they, um, I'll just rattle through a few things. So they, they had an outdoor lunch, they'd been sort of cooked outdoors. They did some kind of Uh, spotting of animals and insects in the local area they went on a discovery trail they kind of had an interactive session to learn about water and the environment Uh, all very very Swedish like the most Swedish things I could think of Uh, I mean this is this engagement could have been done by Victoria and would have held up just as much
0: yeah I was like it was very Swedish and it was very Victoria and Daniel Like it was everything that I would imagine if they'd gone on the just by themselves. I could imagine, like you said, the exact same day and it would have been exactly the
1: same. 100%. Yeah. Um, So it was, yeah, very, very Swedish, very uh, classic. Um, But I think also things that we know that she is interested in. In episode 20, we talked about kind of the different ways that royals raise their children and about kind of the balance of wanting to make sure they're going to things that are Age appropriate and, uh, but still sort of relevant and important. And I think we know that from a very, very young age, both Estelle and Oscar have been, have had their parents talking to them about the environment and nature and water issues in particular a lot. And so a lot of the things that she was doing are things that like she would probably go and do that at a weekend with her parents privately. Um, It just so happened that this was official and all the press were there. But like we know that the family go out and and pick litter in the local park or in the local beaches as a a fun family activity. (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah, they have a weird
1: idea of fun in that family, but you know, they each to their own. Sometimes I'm like, why do I like these people? (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Because yeah, they like going outside. They like exercising. They like picking up litter. Like what is, you know, it's almost, it's almost annoying how like good they are. Like I could, I have a few friends who I know who think that they're overrated and i think it's that sense of like there really isn't anything you can criticize they are just like take yeah and taking your kids out to go litter picking it just it feels like something that somebody would do as a pr thing but like they genuinely do it as a family all the time i could i you know can't even count how many times we've seen them do it and heard about them doing it and yeah so i think it was very you know it was very crown princess family it was very swedish um and yeah it was it was just, you know, there was lots of little sweet interactive moments, and it kind of—it was also really fun as well. I think that's the important thing. It's like, it was important and it was related to her interest, but it was also really, really fun. So they—they they did things that um, they didn't necessarily have to do, but I feel like they added in to kind of um, appeal to somebody of Estelle's age. So like, she had the, she got to taste test different ice cream flavors to pick the one that would be sold as kind of the special tenth anniversary ice cream. She went with apple.
0: Yeah, what was that about? That's not even an ice cream flavor. I like <laughs> That's
1: weird. I was kind of in shock. I was like, no, someone's got that wrong. At the beginning of this, I was thinking, you know, there's there wasn't much gossip that has happened this week. There wasn't much controversy or scandal, but there was. Uh, Estelle chose apple. I'm traumatized. What <laughs> goes on in that household, honestly? <laughs> it's again very on brand it's like I don't know what options were given but if there was anything that had chocolate in it and that child chose apple over chocolate (laughs) what, what it was it was very age appropriate getting a child to taste ice cream flavors but it also related to kind of the area and it was being sold as this special 10th anniversary ice cream so it had that kind it wasn't just let's get her to eat some ice cream it's got no relevance to anything you know it was still relevant to what she was there to do you could tell with these moments that she was just kind of having a blast um so yeah I think that you know there was the the serious element to it but it was also relevant to her and it was also age-appropriate and engaging um so yeah. yeah it was a
0: 10 year old sort of engagement and it worked mm-hmm. really well with balancing the things that you could see kind of anyone in the Swedish royal family doing and also being something like obviously this is a child's engagement they tasted
1: ice cream Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think we talked about this a few episodes ago of like how good Sweden are at designing tours. Yes. I think that extends to this. Like whoever designed this props to them because it was just it was engaging enough for us watching, but it was also engaging for the people who were there. And then so that kind of part of the day ended with a walk along uh, Princess Estelle's fairy tale path, which was a, a gift to the princess on her on the occasion of her baptism. And it's a sort of a trail within the the nature reserve that has uh, statues and things that are kind of fairy tale themed. So the most famous one is a frog with a crown. I really loved this because she went to visit the trail in 2014 and she sort of hung around with the frog and went to go you know and meet it and so obviously they got those great photographs because there's a princess and the frog kind of you know there's so many headlines you can make out of that already um so the press love it the people love it Estelle loved it and they they were able to do that again and so I think this is an ex- another example of how good they are at designing these tours because the parallels that it presented getting her to visit something that she would visited when she was two and now again, when she was ten, like all of the photographs that could be taken and sort of the the people could do a side by side, um, you could see how much she'd grown up, but also see how much the you know the connection was still just as strong as it was eight years ago. You know that kind of uh, it was a very good example of sort of the Swedish royal family uh, giving us what we want, give the people what they want.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you know in episode twenty when we spoke about sort of children and their roles and royal families we spoke quite a bit about how they've uh Sweden in particular have done such a good job with Estelle and Oscar and kind of making it fun and engaging and I think this is kind of a really good example of that because in 2014 when she went and she went and you know opened her fairy tale path which I mean I would love a fairy tale path I just want to say if anyone wants to make me one go for it yeah I'm 29 and I'd still have one (laughs) like Estelle didn't actually do anything she was just two year old who was taken and got to run around a park like For her, at two, that wouldn't have been a work engagement. It would have just been fun. But now at the age of 10, because she's already done that, she now knows that she's technically doing this for work, but it's probably somewhere she's been quite a few times and she quite likes. So she's got that kind of sort of personal connection to it, that kind of more fun side, which means that when she's doing it for work, it's not a big deal because she's getting to go somewhere where she likes and she gets to hang out with these cool fairy tale creatures and have a good time. And then it gives, you know, it's a good link for the sort of for the duchy itself because you're like, look how much she loves it. And it's good for Estelle. And it also is really like good PR for the sort of Sweden because they're like, look at this, how connected she is to the area. She opened it. She comes back to visit. And it's just everything good that you could possibly say about an engagement you could have said about this one.
1: So it just worked so well. Uh, yes, definitely. You know, it got everybody got what they wanted out of it, I suppose, um, because obviously... The press have an agenda when they go somewhere, they want to get good photographs. The public want things that they can kind of engage with and they want to feel like they're getting to see Estelle growing up, which they got because we got, again, the parallels and we got this tour that was designed to really feel comfortable. And uh, the royals want to be able to uh, both teach Estelle an important part of her job of kind of like unveiling the portraits and greeting people. and But they also want to keep her protected and not kind of, put her in a boardroom with 90 adults where she's got to talk about economic <laughs> policy or something ridiculous like that uh, and then the duchy obviously you know they want to feel the connection with estelle the whole point of kind of having a uh, a duke or duchess in in the modern era is that they visit and bring attention to your area and there have been other duchies i won't name names because that's not the point of this but there have been other duchies who have not been happy with their royals rate of visiting shall we say <laughs> Whereas Estelle, you know, she's already made two official visits. We know she visits unofficially. So they got to have that connection with her um, and they got to have their excellent PR moment. Like if I was ever in Sweden and in that kind of area, I would love to go and visit the past and see all the little frogs and things. Yeah. Try the uh, ice cream. Probably not apple, but um, I would try it. And then I'd be like, excuse me, can I please replace this for proper ice cream? Dif- like, I t- I'm just always amazed by her, by Estelle. I know that like she's only 10 and I, I really try to let kid, royal kids in particular live their lives and grow up and find out what's interesting to them and their personality changes and you know I try not to put pr- too much pressure on them but I'm just continuously amazed by who she's grown, growing up to be like she at one point she spoke to the press she's 10.
0: Yeah and she did so well.
1: Yeah she she was like she was joking with them. Like she talked, they talked about how she'd missed school and she was saying, oh, well, yeah, I did. I had to miss the day of school, but it was okay because my teacher's from here. So she was fine with me missing, but her parents were also very much there and kind of chipped in to help the conversation. So after that bit, Victoria kind of said that, oh, well, you know, hopefully some of the things you've learned here today, you can take back to your friends or to the kids in your class and talk to them about it. And, you know, that kind of reminded me when When Victoria was not much older than Estelle, she did an engagement um, where she went to Norden's Ark, I think it was. And it was one of her first big engagements. She planted a tree, she cut a ribbon, but her entire school class went with her. I love that. Yeah, her dad went with her as well, so it was her, the king, and then just all of her classmates. So I thought it was nice that you had like Victoria there, and I can f- I feel like this is probably how things work in in private at their home, where Estelle's like, "This was so much fun," and Victoria's like, "Yes, it was really really fun. What did you learn from the experience?" <laughs> um, so it was, I yeah, it was really nice. Like I, but I'm just constantly impressed by how confident she is, and um, she's just so much like her mother
0: and like you said I don't ever want to put the pressure on being children because you know Estelle could have you know rebellious teenagers but she seems just like Victoria to love Sweden so much and she wants to kind of she comes across someone who just wants to do it she wants to learn she wants to experience things she wants to get involved she wants to
1: make people happy and it's it's just really nice to see they find the joy in everything and I think Estelle also seems like somebody who's very curious about the world around her um, asking questions and throwing herself into different opportunities you know whenever she's whether she gets taken to a, a nature reserve with fun stuff to do outside which you would imagine a lot of kids would be interested in or whether she's taken to uh, a church to look at an organ which she's has which has happened in the past that the Victoria took her to the church to look at an organ and various other things like no matter what she's doing and how boring it might seem to anybody else <laughs> she always just looks like she's excited to learn about something and I think that's a really special quality that I think will if she keeps hold of it will do very well for her in the future given what her job is I, I want to just talk very briefly she wore a suit I know i had have the word suit
0: written underlining quite a few letters like... <laughs> 15 year olds wearing a suit
1: like that's that's a teenager that's when you're cool but a 10 year old <laughs> yeah and this is no like neither of us are saying like oh this is inappropriate she shouldn't wear a suit this is terrible this is all about me and my own worry about my aging and the fact that um she's old enough to even own a suit they even make suits in her sizes like that's that's ridiculous to me she also wore you know if we're talking about it's strange to talk about 10 year olds fashion but we're, that's what we're doing <laughs> she had a good fashion page, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, She wore a bracelet, a charm bracelet, that was given to her um uh on her first birthday by the duchy um as a present. And for the first sort of seven years, seven birthdays that she had up until 2019, she got given a charm every single year from the duchy as her birthday gift, which related to a stietland in some way. Um she got given ones that were kind of animals or plants or um. Uh, flowers that have some kind of importance to the area things like that and she's never worn it in public before um this was the first time we've seen it and I've been waiting for this moment as soon as I think after 2019 when she got the last charm I was like I would like to see this on her now so I've been waiting for this moment for like three years (laughs) already she's nailing that diplomatic dressing I mean first of all the idea to
0: sort of gifted to her from the duchy itself is brilliant because they could add in the charms each year and then it's something that she could wear as a child and also as an adult but then you know wearing it is just it was very sort of sweet and simple and it also kind of gave off the vibe that it's just you know it's at home in her jewellery box with all her like you know plastic necklaces that she just pops on every now and then and it just was very well suited not pun intended there um but <laughs> it. <laughs> It worked really well. And it, like you said, it's a really good sort of way of being like a diplomatic sort of dressing in a very sort of grown up sense of being like, this is a gift from Mr Gutlands. this is, um, I'm going to wear it here. And also a 10 year old wearing a pretty charm bracelet that has,
1: you know, flowers on it. I'm surprisingly romantic about jewelry. Like I don't really wear much jewelry myself. I, one thing I really love is kind of like jewelry that's got sentimental sentimentality to it. So I love charm bracelets because I lo- I think they're a really great way of kind of recording what happens to you in your life, getting charms that are significant to you in some way. So I don't know, I, I it really is just hit my sweet spot. Um, The bracelet itself, I've always loved that concept. And I think a lot of times, you know, like in the British royal family again we get like they we know what they get as gifts in a way that we don't for every other royal family because they publish an annual gift list and a lot of the times it's like I wish that they would wear that or I wish that they would bring that back because it would be really nice if they went to that area again to wear something that they got from that area and we don't see that very often so it was quite nice to see that like obviously they just put a lot of thought and care into even just what she was wearing.
0: Yeah I think you know speaking of you know other royal families I was watching I feel like I was watching some comedian or something the other day and they were talking about a time they'd met, Camilla, the Duchess of Cornwall. And she'd like mentioned in passing that it must have been a young person spoken to them and said something like, wow, you have lots of, you know, you get loads of, you know, presents from people. Are these all from different houses and things like that from different people? You don't buy anything. And she'd ended up saying something like, oh, yes, but if you look in the bushes in the garden, that's where we put all the things that we don't like. And I was like a hilarious but b the kind of difference in approach to things between like the Brits being like yeah we get loads of stuff and some of it's hid just so we're hiding it in a bush and Estelle being like this is a gift and I will wear it to the place who gave me that gift it's very sort of on brand for the two royal families. Okay. Um, so for our light bites this week we've veered away from children and gone instead to the older members of royal families. Um, but we are starting still in Sweden in a weird way and also in the UK because the king and queen of Sweden, King Carl Gustav and Queen Sylvia made a two-day visit to the United Kingdom. The first thing they did, the kind of main royal thing for them to turn up to, was a visit to the uh, Discovery Centre in Cambridge, where they met with the scientists who worked on the AstraZeneca vaccine, which is a joint British-Swedish sort of company partnership thing.
1: Yes. So I, I check the diary of the Swedish royal family quite regularly because I run a, a Victoria account where I keep a, my own record of the, of the engagements. So I saw pop up in the diary that they were going to London and Cambridge on the 26th and 27th of May or whenever it was and I was like "Ooh, is this going to be something to do with the jubilee Ooh. so I got really excited thinking this is going to be some sort of jubilee thing uh and then I looked at the diary for the jubilee stuff and there was nothing happening on the 26th and 27th and I was like oh no that's okay it's not going to be a jubilee thing but then this first engagement was yeah the sort of AstraZeneca um visit it was a perfect royal engagement because it was about Swedish-British collaboration and it was obviously something that has had a massive impact on society and I, I don't want to be dismissive because I know that there are still people who get COVID and it's very serious but like nobody wears masks where I live anymore at all. It, it almost feels like it stopped, it didn't happen, like it, it, it's, it's kind of like a, a distant memory already and so seeing them pop up I was like oh yeah that happened. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it was just a bit of a strange thing. But I also, I think I was really surprised that there wasn't a British royal with them. It was the
0: perfect event, frankly, for William to go to. Like, I get the feeling last week, a lot of the royals in Britain were on holiday um, and they were away and not really in the UK. We know, we know uh, William was there because he did a few things, but he did a lot of work with sort of vaccines and the NHS and that kind of
1: area it's in Cambridge it's
0: in Cambridge <laughs> like it's literally his name and it it fits in very well and also he's an heir because I think they are the monarchs of Sweden as the king and queen so you don't really want to give them you know like the duke of Gloucester not was anything wrong with him but you kind of want to like level it a bit and I think Britain's in a position where they've got like three very senior royals with the queen Charles and William and if the queen can't get to AstraZeneca and Charles is off in Transylvania that leaves you
1: William so I mean, I I find it hard to believe that the Cambridges were busy, Charles and Camilla were busy, the Queen couldn't do it, uh, the Duke and Duchess of Gloucester couldn't do it, Sophie and Edward couldn't do it, Anne couldn't do it. You know, I I struggle to believe that there wasn't one person within that family who could go and do this engagement. The British royal family often do this as well, where they kind of, um, they view, although there is an order of precedence and there is a line of succession and all those sorts of things, they do seem to view... The lower down royals who've been doing this job for decades as just as important because of their length of service. I mean they carried they did very well and obviously the purpose of it was important whether there was a royal there or not but it just did kind of feel like I almost was embarrassed.
0: Yeah it's one of these things where you're like if it had been the other way around and you know maybe not the queen but if Charles and Camilla returned up to Sweden to do, meet with AstraZeneca someone would have uh, probably Victoria someone would have been there or you know it. they would have you know had a you know sent a statement or something something would have happened and I think everyone knows that
1: (laughs) yeah for sure yeah I mean the big the big deal the the real reason they went I 100% believe that this is the real reason they went that evening they went to the opening of ABBA Voyage which is kind of as far as I know it's like holograms is that the right word? Yeah like
0: holograms or like I don't know yeah I'd call them a hologram
1: of ABBA up on stage singing. Loved it, loved that, so great. Honestly. I think honestly like when we said that this was the reason that they went I do think that it was a big part of it because they could have gone to AstraZeneca next week, the week after, last month. The ABBA voyage was only opening that night so it was part of the reason that I think that they went on this particular weekend. I do, yeah, I genuinely
0: believe that this was a visit to go and see Abba, and then at the same time, they were like, We should probably do some other stuff while we're here,
1: obviously, it's incredibly fun, like Abba's fun, seeing two royals at an Abba concert essentially was very fun i I associate Abba with them quite heavily anyway, more than any other Swedish band, you know, Sweden has produced a lot of successful musicians. Dancing Queen was first performed live at a gala the night before the king and queen's wedding in the, in the 70s. Sylvia is a very close friend of uh, Anna Fried, or Frieda who is uh, married into a princely house so she's an aristocrat herself now and they're very good friends and have been for years. Um, there's even a story um, that back in I think it was maybe the 80s I'm not 100% sure but when Carl Gustaf and Sylvia were in London at Tramp nightclub which has been made most famous by the fact that it's supposedly where Prince Andrew and Virginia were dancing Uh, so they were apparently at Tramp and uh, Carl Gustaf forced the DJ to play Dancing Queen so that him and Sylvia could dance together to it like they're obviously very big personal fans of it and it reminded me a lot of those sweet moments that we that we know um, from throughout their marriage, but also it kind of reflects how important ABBA is to Swedish society and to Sweden, their culture, I suppose. Like you said,
0: Sweden's had a lot of you know has produced a lot of really good musicians, and I think, but I mean ABBA are the the big ones really. It's a bit like I don't know, they're like the Elvis or the Michael Jackson, but like of Sweden like they they have that kind of iconic status and you know I, it's, it's also so much fun because they are ABBA like normally you'd expect them to go to like I don't know opera because they're royals and they're also old because they're the king and queen like I couldn't imagine seeing any other queen at an ABBA concert but I couldn't imagine not
1: seeing Carl Gustav and Sylvia at an ABBA concert so I had a great time. 100% I think this is again a difference between even just not even just scandinavia but britain and the mainland royals which is like things like eurovision like the norwegian royal family participated in Euro- eurovision when it was in norway um, they did a video for it and we know and other royals have visited i think queen maxima visited one of the semifinals when it was in the netherlands but like that kind of cheesiness to them is very normal to go to whereas if any of our royals went to eurovision
0: we would be abolishing that monarchy. It would time. not,
1: yeah, it would not happen. But I, like, I was trying to think of what would be a similar thing for us. And the only band or act that I could think has had that level of cultural importance is the Beatles. But even then, I could never see any of our royals going abroad specifically to go to the launch of a Beatles concert like this.
0: No, I was thinking like maybe Queen, because Queen always do jubilee things for the queen because the queen um but I can't imagine a royal going abroad to do it and I also can't imagine a royal going specifically in like an official capacity to a queen concert I could see them going to you know a royal event or going privately but not going officially to watch a queen concert
1: So then the next day they went, the biggest thing that they did, they went to a sustainability conference and there was a memorandum of understanding that was signed in the presence of the king and queen. Basically, that's just, it was around life sciences. So basically it was just an agreement with, um, between Sweden and Britain that we would collaborate on life sciences. So it's not like as strong as a treaty, a memorandum of understanding is basically just a contract. We do see quite a lot of the European royals do these memorandums of understanding or be present for them. In episode two, we talked about the the point of a state visit and we've talked about that a couple of times since. And uh, this is one of those things that normally would happen behind closed doors or that the royals wouldn't be part of. These are the kinds of things that happen all the time on visits. We just don't normally see them or hear about them uh but occasionally for some reason I don't really know why occasionally the royals will also go to the the signing of the agreement
0: yeah and I think you know again it was one of these things where like it felt odd that there were Swedish royals there and not British royals but less odd than the AstraZeneca thing because you wouldn't normally see a royal at this thing you'd kind of know it was happening but it would be the politicians and the boring people that no one cares about yeah so it was one of these ones where you were like hmm seems a bit odd like visually but it was less kind of like frustrating that the Brits weren't hadn't turned up.
1: Yeah like the only example I can think of was maybe I think William was there for the signing of some um, envi- uh, animal trade ones with William Hague I feel like. Yeah. Like our royals just don't go to those things as often Uh, so I wouldn't have yeah I wouldn't have expected anybody to be there but I suppose because they missed the AstraZeneca thing it was like this one was in London as well like you could have gone to that why you know I just I just don't understand like clearly they weren't all on holiday we did see a few of them
0: William I'm naming you Kate we didn't see you but I knew you were there
1: (laughs) if they were all on holiday surely somebody's job should be to coordinate diaries so that that can't happen it just seems strange that they don't have like some kind of online platform where they can all book their annual leave you know
0: yeah like they can be like I really need to go on holiday this week and like actually you can't because Anne and Charles and Sophie have all gone so you need to hold off and you can go next week like you think and I
1: think that kind of leads us into a story but kind of a non-story really um, there was no meeting with the Queen it the news kind of came from them rather than from the Brits uh where they said that there would be no meeting with the Queen because of mobility her mobility issues it wasn't possible a lot of people have interpreted that as kind of like a meeting was cancelled and the Queen like slammed the door in their face, essentially. don't
0: get to come in. I can't walk very well.
1: Yeah, like they never said we had a meeting, but we cancelled it because of the Queen's health. They said there is not going to be a meeting because of the Queen's health. So it's possible when they were planning this, they knew that that was the option and they didn't go ahead with a visit with the Queen. We, you know, it's there was no mention of a cancellation of anything. It was just that it's not happening. So I think some people have maybe made a little bit of a mountain out of a molehill here about like why the Queen didn't meet with them, but somebody else should have. did anyone else? Yeah,
0: yeah. I think that's the thing. I don't have a problem with the Queen not meeting with them, and because you know she's very old, she maybe you know the Swedish sort of court didn't even approach them to say because they knew about her mobility issues and they also know that next week she's going to be quite busy or maybe they did and Buckingham Palace said you know what she'd love to but we need to prepare for the Jubilee because she has to go to that and that's something um but there are actually quite a few working royals in the British royal family that they could have met with and even if they couldn't get a working royal there are members of the British royal family like Princess Beatrice who I'm sure I mean it doesn't have to be an official engagement it could just be being welcomed to these things like i would prefer it to be a working royal and there are frankly enough of them that surely one of them was floating around in london but there are lots of people who are in the british royal family have been in the british royal family for a very long time and there's no reason why you know the king and queen of sweden couldn't have been having a lunch and you know in wherever they were staying the swedish embassy i imagine you know and invited you know Beatrice or Louise you know one of those kind of younger royals if in the weird impossible circumstances that every
1: single working royal was physically unable to get to them it's multiple levels of failure really because it's the royals themselves uh the fact that none of them you know the queen and none of the rest of them thought like oh maybe this is important that a king and queen of another country the head of state of another country and his wife are visiting and none of us are going to meet them at any point you know failure from that side of things there was also a failure I think probably from the foreign office like you can't a king and queen cannot come into your country without you knowing about it if you're in the foreign office they will know so and they will have had to be all these security arrangements and things so the government knew and it's very strange to me that they didn't make the request that somebody would go and meet with them uh, as like royal to royal because especially at the moment, like Sweden, we know we talked about this in our last episode, our, or maybe it was the episode before. But they're um, joining. They're hoping to join NATO. I, I don't know if they've actually joined yet, or if they've applied, or what's happening with that. But they are making moves to join NATO, and that's a very big thing for us as a country because we're part of NATO, and you know it could have repercussions for the um, the conflict, the war in Ukraine it's a very it's you know it's always an important time to build relations with countries but it's particularly important at the moment so it just feels like a missed opportunity that nobody from the royal family nobody from the foreign office ever sort of said oh hey maybe you should have a tea with them and yeah as you mentioned maybe the Swedish royal family never made that approach maybe they just weren't bothered about it but it does seem seem strange that nobody stepped in and kind of made sure that that happened even in the course of an engagement, like we said, you know, somebody going with them to AstraZeneca or uh, even going with them to Abba. <laughs> um, you it's know, gone to Abba.
0: and it feels like you know it's one of these things where you know Sylvia and Carl Gustav had to have lunch at some point. So I mean, it could have been behind the scenes; they could have had lunch, you know, at Kensington Palace with Kate, and then you know it just been announced later on that the King and Queen of Sweden was received by the Duchess of Cambridge. Like they didn't have to be a big she could have turned up in tracksuits and no one saw her because they didn't bring a camera like it's not that hard to sit in a room with some people and eat lunch
1: I think it's particularly irritating for me because we know if the situations were reversed it would have been offered but I just know for a fact if the situation had been reversed they would have done a lunch or they would have done a tea and so it's kind of like what what excuse could be good enough that not a single person could spare half an hour in that family I don't know
0: yeah and it's not just Britain you know if they'd gone to any other country the red carpet would have been rolled out like you know if you think about any even like solo working days where they're literally popping over for a day if there happens to be a monarchy in that country they meet the monarchy they meet someone from that royal family like even if it's a really low ranking member that just happened to be there like they'll meet someone
1: yeah so I think it was particularly egregious because the queen is living hot queen summer. (laughs) <laughs> um, I don't really know what that phrase means hot girl summer but I use it because the young folk use it and I want to feel young and cool and relevant so I'm going to pretend that that's I don't know if that's actually the correct usage of that phrase but we'll go with it um, but yeah she, she's being very weird about what she goes to and what she doesn't go to she didn't have a half an hour tea with the king and queen of sweden because she went to the chelsea flower show she turned up accompanied there were other royals in attendance the wessexes princess beatrice princess alexandra the duke of kent the michaels prince and princess duke and duchess of gloucester so there was a whole raft of them and yeah the queen turned up in a queen mobile which i think is
0: the really exciting part it's probably not called the queen mobile um, but I mean, I I have spent the last few months being like, I don't think the Queen would ever really go in the wheelchair because she's got a personal issue with it. And then she was like, surprise. <laughs> um, I've spent
1: 70 grand on a mega golf brigade. <laughs> <party." laughs> was like, okay. Yeah, so she turned up in what has been dubbed the Queen Mobile. Kind of, I think a take of the popemobile or the Batmobile, um, more like the Poatmobile, uh, where it's kind of like, You know, the Pope has this specially designed vehicle that allows him to move around um, to be seen by crowds, uh, but also to be protected. He's got like bulletproof glass. The Queen didn't have that because I think it's very unlikely to be an assassination attempt at the Chelsea Flower Show of all places. (laughs) Well, you never know. But uh, yeah, so she she arrived in this buggy and was kind of ferried around the site in the buggy. Uh, She didn't really get out as far as I know, um, but it was open. So she was she could be seen and she could also kind of see everything that she was being driven around. It uh, was a luxury buggy, uh, cost well over sixty thousand uh, pounds. Which, like, how? I,
0: yeah, I was like, I was re- doing a lot of research about this buggy, and it seems like I don't know, like something they'd in- try and come up with on The Apprentice, like, mm. but they fell miserably. But it had like touch screen TVs and a cooler for your drink and all sorts of weird things, and I was like but it had like 50 minutes of charge. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> don't think you're going to
1: need all these things if the Queen can only drive in it for 50 minutes. Priorities, yeah, we've got a fridge, but we don't have a running battery. Uh, what is ridiculous? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's a huge expense. Apparently, it's something that they've had for a little while. Yeah, so they
0: had it for a while and the Queen paid for it from her own money. Um, which, and it makes, it makes sense that they've got one on staff. I mean, the Queen has used golf buggy type things before just very rarely and normally when she's got
1: a lot of ground to cover and she normally like gets out of them and like they'll take her from place to place but then she'll get out and look at stuff whereas this time she just stayed in the buggy the whole time
0: yeah like there are a few pictures of her getting out of like golf carts and obviously because she's getting out of a golf cart I was like oh my gosh I've seen the queen's knees that seems weird
1: <laughs> but, uh, scandalous
0: but it makes sense and it's you know I I understand making that investment if they are assuming that the Queen will need to go to things where yeah. she needs to do a lot of walking and she can't walk. But also I think yeah after coming over the last few weeks it just felt really hilarious. I was having the best time with it.
1: I think it makes sense on a practical level because the, the Chelsea Flower Show site is quite big. It would have been quite a lot of walking that would have been involved for her if she wanted to actually see anything and so it made sense that you know she would get ferried around um, and the buggy worked because it was open and you know she could be seen and everything but you know it was was just a it was just a surprising choice I suppose I wasn't expecting to to kind of see it like did she get driven there and then go into the buggy or did the buggy drive her from the palace how did that work
0: I don't know because I didn't see her walking at any step or any stage but is the buggy allowed to go on the road Someone would have seen the queen driving in a buggy from Buckingham Palace. <laughs> so I can only imagine she must have turned up in a car and then like behind something like a yeah. big building like swapped over.
1: It's always like, I don't know if you've ever had that where you've seen, uh, you've just been walking down the road and then you've seen like Somebody riding a horse, or a tractor, or a really old car—like just somebody is randomly driving around. You're like, "What is? What is the story there? Why? How? How? Where are they going?" and It's kind of, yeah. I, you're right. Somebody probably would have noticed if the queen had been just <laughs> <laughs> bombing through the streets of London in a uh, in a sixty thousand pound buggy um, with her cooler, like getting her beers out. She wouldn't drink a beer. She'd be more like a brandy or it something be, like that. Yeah a port a port yes that's what people of her age drink is port um yeah so she'd have her her port stored in the in the thing and be sort of blaring Gary
0: Barlow
1: <laughs> oh god yeah I was gonna go with uh what's that well oh, what's that DJ called <laughs> oh David Guetta <laughs> David Guetta that's what I was imagining you're you're much more likely to be Gary Barlow yeah I was just imagining her uh listening Probably to a great her, time. um listening to some of the banging summer tunes yeah, it was it was a it was a practical decision. It made sense, and she still, you know, it, it was done in a way that was appropriate. And um, I think you know it's not completely unheard of. The Queen Mother had a buggy that she used during the last year of her life, and actually, she was way more extra than the Queen. Like she had her buggy painted in her in I think her colors of like her livery or something. I don't know, um, but she had it painted in colors and with her monogram on it. So like the Queen's still a little bit further behind her mother.
0: Yeah, she's like, I'm just going to go in a plane. Okay.
1: Yeah, really, it should be painted gold with like glitter yeah. on the side. Just let some children go at it and decorate it. That's what I would do.
0: Yeah, that's what you should do. Get the kids out Yeah, with pens and some paintbrushes and be like, make it look pretty. And then make your drive around and that. It'd be great. And also incredibly fun.
1: But I do feel like we're getting closer to my fantasy of having the queen be ferried around on an iPod- iPad. We definitely are. I think that's the future, really, is to have the Queen on an iPad just be, you know, wheeled around on a little robot. Um, But, and this is the first step, because this is very high-tech buggy, and she didn't move from it, so really, would it have been that different if she'd just been an iPad? The Chelsea Flower Show is a weird event anyway. A ton of royals go every year, like, tons of them. And yet, they're just looking at some... It's just a lot of looking and pointing.
0: Yeah, like, the only person who's actually like should be there is the queen because it's her patronage Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) like everyone else is just like oh should we go see some flowers yeah it's so strange it's not really that engaging to me like I've I've never actually been have you been to the Chelsea Flower Show no I kind
0: of like I'm interested in going Mm. because it I like the concept is really weird But it also, I feel like, would be quite expensive.
1: Yeah, it's super expensive, really hard to get tickets. I think they always sell out in, like, a day or something. Um, And so the Queen usually goes, like, before it's open to the public, so she's not with all of the the peasantry. Yeah, it's just a strange event because it's so expensive. I would never really be able to go. So on on the one hand, it's nice because the Royals are really the only chance I'm going to get to see inside it. Like, I can see some of the gardens because... Uh, the royals go and we get photographs so it's like okay well that's nice you know I'm never going to pay for a ticket so I get to at least see a little bit of it but yeah it's not not the most engaging thing because even even in the normal year when the queen's not in a buggy she would just be walking to different places and pointing instead of sitting in a buggy and pointing like the buggy was the most interesting part of the whole thing really. Um,
0: I also like I don't understand how they get the gardens there because I know they don't just like plant them there and leave them because they move like they're like oh this garden will be at this hospital and I'm like okay but how does it work because you can't just move a garden. like I can't move my back garden, and that's not how things work I don't and no one explains it to me they're like oh they just you know dig it and I'm like no that doesn't explain how do you move a tree trees like a really hard to move but they do it what if you accidentally like kill like your prize flowers in the move from Scotland to London I don't understand it at all but like I'm fascinated by it because it's i mean there are like garden shows and things like that but normally they have exciting things like cows but no it's, it's just
1: flowers yeah just yeah i mean that's the thing like i i don't want to disparage any charities work because i'm sure that different charities all view their uh their work is very valuable and important and you can make an argument that lots of different charities are important but the royal it's the royal horticultural society who hosts the Chelsea Flower Show and like yeah flowers are great and there's often a lot of charities who get their own garden and you know they do try and make it a a valuable experience but doesn't necessarily justify the presence of like nine different taxpayer funded people
0: it's just flowers and I mean I like a nice flower I get really into flowers but
1: not nine royals worth of flowers no, like the, the amount of money it must cost to organize everything and get them all there. Well, we know it cost, well, it didn't cost £60,000 because the buggy wasn't just for this. But, you know, it was an expensive outing <laughs> for the Queen. Um, so it just, yeah, she could have maybe spent that money on something else. But um, yeah, so it's it's an always an odd engagement for me uh, in general. Uh, and But at least, thankfully, we got the Queen in her exciting Queen mobile this time. I think she should trick it out like the Batmobile.
0: Yeah, like every, like for different engagements, she should like put flags up or something. Like if she's going out of Halloween, she should, you know, put
1: cobwebs on it. Christmas, she put some tinsel. I'm just thinking, you know, she could really improve this. Um, I'm just thinking, pimp my ride. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Royal pimp my ride. Royal pimp my ride. Um, And like for each engagement, she could paint it a different colour or she could put stickers on it. Um, the, The potential that's come from this buggy is exciting.
0: Yeah I do, this is what I'm going to expect now, like when she, if she uses it for the Jubilee I expect crowns everywhere, I want bunting, Mm -hmm. I want the whole Shabbat, maybe you could paint it purple, they've gone quite big on the purple theme. Yeah. You could really just go with that, you
1: know. It's a shame she didn't go to the Bond premiere in it. Yeah, that would have been cool. That would have been cool. Or the Top Gun one where she could have wings. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That would have been way more exciting than William's plane shoes. Yeah,
0: plain shoes, boring. Plain mobile,
1: love it. <laughs> um, yeah. So I suppose you know this is the latest evolution in the Queen's ongoing health stuff. Like she seems pretty healthy. She just obviously can't walk around very much, and she's living her best life, being chauffeured around in a sixty thousand pound buggy.
0: That is all we have got for this episode. We will be back next week. I can only imagine it will be themed on one major event that could be happening. You never know. This could be a plot twist and we could end up talking about something weird, but likely to be a Jubilee one. If you tune in for the next episode,
1: it would be so typical, wouldn't it? That like nobody does anything for weeks. And then the one week where we have a ton of things to talk about, somebody don't, like gets married or divorced.
0: Yeah. Something oddly dramatic is going to happen.
1: Yeah.
0: I can't cover it. Um, but thank you for listening to this week's episode obviously you can go back and listen to our back catalogue of episodes on all good podcast directories and while you are there you can leave us some five star reviews five stars only we do not accept anything lower um and if you want to get in contact with us you can contact us on instagram at at on-air podcast or on tumblr at onairpodcast.tumblr.com or you can email us at onairpodcast at and until next week it is goodbye from me
1: And goodbye from me.